Welcome to another episode of Paul Thon Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paulton. and today I've got Professor Marcus Kane. He's with the uh, NanoStream project from uh, UK's National Physical Labs, and uh, it's a project to uh, help deliver up to 10 times faster computer processing speeds. So, uh, hi, Marcus. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I must admit I am curious. Materials to go up to 10 times faster in computing. I mean, what are they, little hamster wheels that go on the chips or something? I mean, what are, you, what, what are we doing to the materials that's going to speed them up that much? Do they go superconducting? I mean, what's going on here? Well, it's, it's a very good question. And this really is a complete new way of, of, of designing and realizing um, uh, transistors uh, at the CMOS length scale. I'm not sure if you're aware that in the last, I don't know, eight years or, or maybe even more since like 2005, so I guess that's approximately eight years, there's been this kind of like um, uh, a halt on processing speeds, you know, your CPU speed's kind of stuck at two or three gigahertz and hasn't really increased since then. And that's a fundamental limit imposed by the design requirements of current silicon CMOS technology. So for a long time, the likes of, you know, IBM and Intel and ST and so on have needed a new type of transistor switch. And IBM and their colleagues have come up with a brand new way of doing that kind of switching at a very small length scale at a fraction of the power requirements of current CMOS, okay, and 10 times faster than current CMOS. Now, that's, that's kind of like more than a dream, and it's more than a patent, and they've got a substantial amount of funding to explore that concept. Nanostrength. Now, now if I may jump in, if I may jump in, yeah. Marcus, um, yeah. I'm always hearing about scale size. Everyone's hearing about scale size. You know, five nanometers, two, I mean, of course, not that small, but you know, they're, they're really, but everyone's pushing, pushing, pushing. Everyone, we're trying to get to the smallest scale sizes, the smallest feature sizes, and that's something we know has been going on since they invented the chip. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, this aspect of speed, because it's the first time I've heard it come up in the case of microprocessing. In other words, you're always hearing about we need smaller transistors. This is one of the first times I'm really hearing we need faster transistors. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. People have heard of Moore's Law, haven't they? It's it's infamous Moore's Law. And if you look at the trends over the years of um, the amount of transistors you can pack onto an inch square, that has been following Moore's Law, in other words, doubling every 18 months or so, um, well, ever since the 1970s. And it continues to follow Moore's Law. So it's not Mm -hmm. about getting more transistors onto your real estate. It's about basically managing power. And there is a, there is a fundamental limit to how much power um, is required or how much power rather is dissipated in any switching event using CMOS technology. And because of that, since about 2005 approximately, then they've hit this limit. And it's a power-related intrinsic limit to CMOS, silicon CMOS, um, where you know, the processing clock speed has basically plateaued. And it's a, it's, this is a worldwide issue. This isn't just any one company. Right. Which is why well, physics works for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is physics. <laughs> this is basically physics. So, you know, whatever you need to do, you need to, you need to, you need to explore some new way of switching, you know, um, electrical currents or circuits or something like this. And a bunch of people are looking at carbon nanotubes. A bunch of people are looking at 
um, uh, graphene, of course. And IBM had this idea, as I say, of using some radically different approach. And it's all about the use of um, a material which is piezo-resistive. And they took some of this material and they modeled it. And in fact, they've measured some bits now as well. And they showed that, um, and people have shown in the past, that over um, you know, uh, several gigapascals of pressure, the resistivity mm-hmm. of that material changes by like seven or more orders of magnitude. So you have there in your head like a material which can switch between insulating and metallic conduction when you apply a stress. Okay, so that's the basis. Now, how do you apply the stress? They came up with the that was going to be my question. No, they came up with the idea of using a piezoelectric material to apply the stress. So you sandwich this piezo-resistive piece between some sort of like outer anvil, like you know, G-clamp, okay, and a piezoelectric material. So when you apply a voltage to the piezo, the piezo material changes shape. It exerts a stress or a pressure onto this other material, which changes itself from an insulator to a metallic. And you do the sums, you do the math, and it could possibly work. Now, the beauty of the idea is that it is scalable. In other words, this doesn't have to be a great big bulk piece of material on your lab bench. Right. It can be scaled down to Seymour's length scales. And when now, you now scale Marcus, this down... I, I, yeah. I, I just want to jump in again, though. Uh, I mean, there is, it, so we're literally talking about straightforward piezoelectricity squeezing and, and creating physical forces. This isn't related to yeah. piezoelectric stress, for example, in silicon carbide, I mean, a gallium nitride. Uh, in, in a gallium nitride semiconductor, it relies on piezoelectric stress for the free electron layer. This is a different kind of, I mean, this is a very brute force, straightforward application of piezoelectricity. This is a much le- less subtle application of piezoelectricity. This is like a traditional, you know, actuator application of piezoelectricity you, you're absolutely right, right. you are brute right. force applying a stress to this rather exotic set of materials called these piezoresistive materials there are a range of exotic compounds which exhibit this remarkable property of change in you know it's metal to insulator transitions or insulator to metal transitions through the application of stress now the beautiful thing is that these materials are scalable and can be processed nowadays this is, this is kind of like you know one of the um, uh, one of the reasons why maybe you could think about fabricating something at the length scale of 30 nanometers, in other words, make a realistic um, semiconductor device. These things can be processed using modern processing deposition technologies. You can fabricate very high-quality piezoelectric films. You can fabricate high-quality piezoresistive films, and so on. So IBM have done the calculations, and um, and that's what they patented: that if you make this device of order 30 nanometers in length scale, okay? Then when you apply an electric voltage to that piezo material, it will change its shape, not instantaneously, but it will pretty darn quick, okay? And a, well, we're we're of order sort of like uh, picoseconds. Oh, okay. Okay, and that means the pressure wave will be exerted in the order of picoseconds up to this piezo-resistant material, okay, which will change its state from insulated to metallic, now, you can imagine then, you know, putting electrodes on, making it part of circuits, logic gates, and that's what IBM have done, of course. And it just so happens that if you do it at that length scale, okay, 
and you can retain the bulk properties of those materials down to that length scale, and that's a big if. That is probably one of the biggest questions in, in this whole project. Can you retain right. the bulk properties, these wonderful properties of these materials, down to the nanoscale? But if you could, then there you are. You have a device that can operate at 100 gigahertz at a tenth the power of current CMOS technology. This is this is the game changer. This is, you know, this technology could change. Sounds like it. Could change things. It's, it's it's a very exciting place to be. It is great fun working with our partners in Europe on this nanostrain project, and it's great fun working with our our friends in New York there, um, the IBM uh, TJ Watson Research Center. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful time to be working in this type of integrated material, multifunctional material system. Now, now a quick question, Marcus. Why the NPL? I mean, when you think about big private players like IBM and such. The you know British National uh, Labs aren't the first thing that jump into my mind. I mean, you guys are competent and you know what you're doing and all, but it's interesting that IBM came to you guys. Well, you know, it's it's, it's a very interesting. I mean, it's it's very interesting sort of like um, chain of events really. So, the National Physical Lab is the UK's National Measurement Institute. So, in the United right. States, your National Measurement Institute is NIST. Yeah, it's in Gaithersburg, mm-hmm. uh, there in Maryland. Um, and uh, you know we we are the holders of the national standards, and, you know, and we develop um, industry best measurement, best practice, and we write, you know, we, we write standards and so on. So we're there to support industry. That's our function, to support industry. And there are a variety of industries very interested in the control of function and, in this case, strain. Okay, at the very small length scale, at the nanoscale. There are other applications where control of strain at the nanoscale is very important. For example, inkjet printing, as an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and there are other applications as well. So it just so happened that you know, in in discussing a requirement across Europe, because this is this nanostrain project is funded um, out of Euromet, okay, the European Metrology Research Program. It's part of the what was called the Framework Seven European. Uh, commission research program which is now called horizons 2020 anyway it's european funded activity so we have other national research labs other national measurement institutes across europe on board this project the italians the germans for example and the whole bunch Very of companies nice. including ibm um, including ibm now it just happens that we have visiting staff and professors who work at both ibm and at mpl and so it's no surprise that you know um IBM became aware of the sort of work that I was doing in my group here at MPL in measuring the functional mm-hmm. properties of piezoelectric materials at small length scales. That's the link. That's how they became aware of what we were doing and why they chose us to help them with their characterization program. Of course, they're working with very large centers in the United States in DARPA-funded research activity. Um, some, of the, some of the leading institutes, of course, in the world, uh, for example, Penn State. In, you know, um, right. who are providing some of some fantastic new films of piezoelectric material, so, as an example. So, so uh, Marcus, uh, where, what's the next step? Where, what are we looking at here? Um, you're involved in this project. What are we going to see coming out of this on the horizon? Is it going to be this announcement, we've discovered the Holy Grail, everything's going to be uh, tiny and powerful, or is it going to be something marginal that uh, core technology that will be able to implement next generation designs? Now, the way I see it, um, of course, I can't speak on behalf of, of IBM, but um, right. in terms of IBM, they are clearly 
very excited by this technology and they need to prove its worth. They need to demonstrate its validity. And one big part of that validation step, you know, can this phenomena, this concept, can it be integrated at that length scale? Is it reliable? Blah, blah, blah. Can we make them reliably? Can you retain bulk properties to the nanoscale? This is the biggest question in my books. So our job at MPL and the Nanostrain Consortium, which includes IBM, is to explore, is to develop measurement techniques and models okay, to be able to characterize the properties of these materials at this length scale. Can, I mean, measuring strain, which is, you know, extension over original length, measuring strain is not such an easy thing to do when you are exploring things at the nanoscale. Right. Because you don't, because it's quite often difficult to understand what your reference point is. Where is, where is your datum point at the nanoscale? This is a tough one to call. Not only that, sometimes this strain that you're talking about is what's called an in-plane strain. So you have a surface that sort of like, you know, stretches or shrinks in front of your very eyes. And measuring that in-plane strain is also problems. So, you know, we've got a bunch of people exploring ways in which you can measure that strain traceably, reliably, quant you know, quantitatively. And we've got a very rich research team looking at the modeling, the theoretical modeling, and that includes the IBM guys at TJ Watson, um, of these piezoelectric materials and piezo-resistant materials at this length scale. So for us, as the Nanostrain Consortium, success looks like um, certified traceable methods, okay, which are supporting a step change in technology that IBM and whoever else might make these devices in 10 or 15 or 20 years' time. You know, to be a part of that is right. exciting. You know, and you're so we so essentially you're setting up the foundations. You're setting up the foundations for this whole field of start, of, uh, of application. Pretty much, that's pretty much uh, us guys, together with their wonderful processing people, who are mostly United States, but not not solely United States. They're also popping out in Germany and other parts of Europe. You know, you couple great processing, great theoretical modeling, and great measurement, and I think you know that that's that that could be classed as a as a winning team and. Yeah, so it's, it's setting up the infrastructure, the foundations. And, you know, even if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, then in, character, it, then in developing methods to characterize these materials at, at these small length scales, you will absolutely help and aid the processes to develop better materials. Right, this, this is right. This is absolutely certain. Well, I mean, it's fascinating stuff, Marcus. Do you, do you have a final thought for our audience? Unfortunately, I'd love to have you talk longer, but we're running out of time. But I definitely want to give you last word. Well, you know, um, all, I, all I can suggest is um, please take a look at our website um, where all the most recent and up-to-date results are, are disseminated and published. You can, you can then get in contact with me or any other member of the team. It's a very exciting place to be. If you have interest yourself in uh, the use of piezo materials at very small length scales, then please come and talk to me at MPL as well, and maybe we can help out. But, you know, to be part of this project is a very exciting place to be. And we've just started. We're six months in. Um, there's a lot of work to do. And, um, and yeah, keep in contact via our website. And, and I guess that can be um, placed on your website as well, Alex, can't it? Right. Well, you can also say it here. I'm, I'm fine with that. We'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a live link on the, on the page, but you can also tell the audience here, and we're fine with that. Okay. Well, it's just www.nanostrain.eu. 
Excellent. Well, that's pretty straightforward, Marcus. Yeah. So, hey, cool. Marcus, thank you so much. Um, I mean, my pleasure. The whole aspect of power application at that scale. I mean, one of and one of my um, one of the things I say all the time is I measure technology by how precisely one can uh, control and apply force. And you're definitely okay. <laughs> pushing me. <laughs> you're, you're pushing <laughs> well, me thank you very much. Well, thank oh, you for well, as well. The, the pleasure really is mine. And um, I'm going to bring you back because we definitely need to talk some more about this. So we'll give it some time. When you have some developments, we'll bring you back and we'll talk about those developments. Okay, Marcus? Fabulous. I'd love to. And thank you for your readers and listeners too for listening to this podcast. Thank you. Oh, and I love to thank them myself because without them, we wouldn't be here. I hope they tell their <laughs> friends. This is Alex Palt for Palt on Power. Have a great day.